This past week, I ran across this quote from Richard Dawkins, a well-respected and published biologist. It's there in your notes. If you have faith, it is probably the same faith as your parents and grandparents had. No doubt soaring cathedrals, stirring music, moving stories, and parables help a bit. But by far the most important variable determining your religion is the accident of birth. Faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. So how do we respond to such an unbelieving skeptic? We're in the midst of a series of lessons entitled Always Be Ready, and our key scripture is 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. Let's read it out loud together. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Simply put, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it, and we must always be ready to explain the evidence for our faith to others. We need to confidently defend our beliefs in a loving and tactful way. In answer to Richard Dawkins or any other unbelieving skeptic, we need to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. We need to always be ready to offer logical, compelling evidence for what we believe and practice as Christians. This morning we're going to focus on evidence for Christianity. We are currently experiencing a meeting of cultures, nations, races, and religions on a scale unprecedented in U.S. history. Over 350,000 students from more than 180 countries come to the U.S. every year to study in more than 2,500 colleges and universities in every single one of our 50 states. Through the technology of television, video conferencing, social media, and the internet, information is exchanged around the world almost instantly. California has become a virtual melting pot of ethnic groups and as these students and business people find their way into our neighborhood schools and service clubs, we are exposed to their differing religious beliefs and practices. This often raises the question, is Christianity unique among world religions or is it only a variation on a basic theme that runs through all religions. To put it another way, doesn't the Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Jew, or adherent to another world religion basically uh, worship the same God as Christians just under a different name? Doesn't the Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, Christian scientist, or follower of another offshoot of Christianity hold to the same basic tenets of faith as Christians? So what, if anything, makes Christianity different? Evidence for Christianity. Let me share with you today some reasons why I am convinced beyond reasonable doubt that Christianity is the one and only true faith for all times, at all places, with all people, in all cultures. Let's begin with the claim of Christianity. Building off the question that was posed in the video a moment ago, let me go straight to the bottom line here. Christianity claims unapologetically that Jesus Christ is the one and the only way 
to God. The Bible is very, very clear on this matter. I ask you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. So follow along now as I read verses 1 through 6. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Don't miss verse 6. In fact, I want us to read it out loud together. It will be up here on the screen. Would you read this with me? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Doesn't get any clearer than Acts 4 and verse 12. By the name of Jesus Christ, salvation comes no other way. No other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved. Only this one. Hebrews 5 verse 9 tells us that Jesus is the source of eternal salvation for all those who follow him. 1 John 5, verses 11 and 12, words it like this. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So whoever has God's Son has life. Whoever does not have His Son does not have life. And we, we could go on and on, but I think you get the point. Christianity claims unapologetically that Jesus Christ is the one and the only way to God. That becoming a Christian is the sole way to heaven. Now, when a Christian asserts that Jesus is the only way to God, that apart from Christ there is no salvation, this claim often evokes a pretty explosive emotional response, as we saw in the video clip. This claim causes people to view Christians as intolerant, arrogant, narrow-minded, and even bigoted. For instance, Jewish rabbi Shmuley Botich has said, I'm absolutely against any religion that says that one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is any different from spiritual racism. It's a way of saying that we are closer to God than you, and that's what leads to hatred. Swami Vivekananda put it this way, We Hindus accept all religions to be true. The real sin is to call someone else a sinner. <laughs> Pluralist Rosemary Radford Ruther has labeled Christianity's claim absurd religious chauvinism. Renowned atheist Charles Templeton once said, Approximately four out of every five people on the face of the earth believe in gods other than the Christian God. Are we to believe that only Christians are right? Or as I had one unbeliever actually say to me, rather incredulously, Who do you think you are? What right do you have to judge everyone else? So how are we to respond to these criticisms? Well, the answer lies in a correct understanding of truth. Let me explain. Christians claim that Jesus Christ is the one and only way to God because the Bible says so. We believe this to be true, not because it's our own human-made rule, but because it is God's rule. 
A Christ follower cannot be faithful to what he or she believes and practices and affirm anything else. To claim that being a Christian is the one and only way to heaven is only to state what God says in the Bible, no more, no less. We cannot change this truth. It is immutable. Let me put it another way. There are some rules and laws that if broken, the consequences are socially determined. For instance, if I violate the law by going 50 miles an hour through downtown Springville, the consequence could be a $100 ticket or a $1,000 ticket. It's all dependent upon the local authorities who just arbitrarily set the penalties. The consequence is not inherent in the breaking of the rule or law itself. However, there are other rules and laws that if broken, the consequences are not socially determined. The penalties are not arbitrarily set. For instance, if I violate the law of gravity by jumping off a sheer bluff up here in the mountains, the consequence would be my death. Hmm. This penalty is inherent in the breaking of the rule or law itself. And here's my point. As there are inherent physical rules and laws, like gravity, so there are inherent spiritual rules and laws. And one of those is the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. The consequence for violating this rule or law is eternal separation from God in hell. The consequence for adhering to this rule or law is eternal life with God in heaven. Or as the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. No matter what we may believe or practice, we simply cannot change this truth. It is timeless and universal. You see, sincerely believing something doesn't make it true any more than sincerely disbelieving something makes it false. <laughs> facts are facts. Regardless of people's attitudes or actions toward them, truth is truth, whether one agrees with it or not. Therefore, if you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, don't miss this. All truth, by definition, is exclusive. I mean, think about it. If truth does not exclude, then no assertion of truth is actually being made. Any time that a truth is stated, it automatically excludes anything and everything that is contrary to it. To put it another way, truth, by its very nature, is intolerant of error. Let me give you a simple example. 2 plus 2 equals 4. Good answer. That's the truth. By definition, that truth excludes any other answer. By nature, this truth is intolerant of all errors. And the same principle applies to Christianity's claim that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. It's a truth that excludes anything and everything that is contrary to it. To hold to this truth is not to be arrogant, narrow-minded, or bigoted. It is simply to believe and practice what, by the very nature of Christianity itself, is intolerant of all errors. Now, while you're chewing on all that, that brings us to our second main point today, and that's the case for Christianity. 
perhaps you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm willing to accept Christianity's claim that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. If you can demonstrate to me that Christianity has the credentials and the credibility to be embraced as the one true faith among all the world's religions. And I think that's fair. In short, to establish the case for Christianity, I would urge you to study the evidence on your own. This is much too big of a task for us to tackle in a simple sermon on a Sunday morning. I've been after this my entire life. And in that light, I've listed some of the books that I would personally recommend there in your lesson notes. Faith Has Its Reasons, The Case for Christianity, Christian Apologetics, What Skeptics Ask, Faith and Reason, Why I Am a Christian, Reasonable Faith, Christian Truth, and Apologetics. You can pick up these books online with Amazon or Christian book distributors or from a Christian bookstore. For those of you who are listening and watching these lessons online, I'm going to post this very same list of resources on our website and Facebook pages as well. I want you to know I've read all of these books and I believe that these resources will help you in your search for truth and I believe that as you discover reasons for believing in God and Jesus and the Bible and so forth you will also discover that Christianity stands true as the one and only faith that salvation is found in and through Jesus Christ alone. It's the only logical conclusion to draw based upon all of the evidence. Now besides this overwhelmingly convincing evidence for Christianity, we can also establish the case for Christianity by looking at the four most fundamental questions that every religion seeks to answer. I believe that the answers that Christianity offers are the only ones that really co correspond to reality. There's a coherence among Jesus' answers to these questions that's unlike any other man-made religion. What are the questions? Well, question number one has to do with origin. Where did we come from? Who hasn't asked that question? Genesis 1 verse 27 answers, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. The bottom line is Christianity says that although we are created in the image of God, we are not identical with God, but are distinct from Him. In other words, we didn't bring ourselves into existence, but we are a creation of God. Now in contrast, consider the Hindu version of reincarnation. If every birth is a rebirth, and if every life pays for a previous life, then what were we paying for in the first birth? When and where did the cycle of life actually begin. Hinduism provides no coherent answer to that. Question number two is meaning. Why are we here? What is my purpose in life? Every one of us has asked that question. Read Ephesians 5 and verse 15 out loud with me. Live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as men who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. You see, in this verse, the Apostle Paul underscores that if anybody ought to know the meaning and purpose of life, Christians should. Now most human-made religions tell us that we discover true value in and through our works and deeds, in and through our religious rites and rituals. The problem with all of that is how many works and deeds does it take us to get to heaven? 
What rites and rituals are essential to bringing meaning and purpose to our lives? You see, this approach is all centered on us, centered on you and, and on me. In contrast, Christianity tells us that we discover true value in a personal daily relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He's the one who gives us salvation. He's the one who gives us meaning and purpose in life. It's all centered on Him. It's what He did for us. It is finished and it is a gift of His grace. Question number three has to do with morality. How do we know right from wrong? And Christianity says that morality is not culturally based, but instead grows out of the very character of God himself. Otherwise, we end up with this dilemma. Is the moral law over and above us, timeless and absolute, or is the moral law subject to us, that is, it is cultural and relative? If it's over and above us, which is only the logical choice, then where did this sense of right and wrong come from in the first place? The answer is that this morality must have come from an eternal, non-contingent moral God. It's the only coherent explanation. Nothing else makes sense. Romans 2 verse 15 sums it up this way. God's law is not something alien imposed on us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within that echoes God's yes and no, right and wrong. Now contrast that with Buddhism, for example. That's basically non-theistic or more likely atheistic. If there is no creator, no ultimate source or origin of morality, where then does this built-in code of morality and ethics come from? Buddhists are left scratching their heads. They have no coherent answer to that question. Question number four deals with destiny. What happens when we die? Now, doesn't everybody want to know the answer to that? Jesus himself summed up Christianity's view on our final destiny this way. John 11, verses 25 and 26. In fact, let's read this out loud together. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. In other words, our destiny is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that historical event that proved his deity and opened the door to heaven to everyone who would choose to follow him. We'll talk more about that next Sunday. I mean, what other world religions even come close to an answer like that? None. All right, let me summarize the second point. How can we build a solid, reasonable case for Christianity? Why should we believe that Jesus Christ is the one and the only way to God? First, because of the convincing evidence, the compelling reasons for believing in God, Jesus, the Bible, and so forth. As we've done throughout this series of lessons, I want to challenge you to study the evidence on your own, to discover for yourselves why you believe what you believe. I am confident that you will find, as I have, that Christianity Christianity stands on solid ground. And second, because of the coherent answers, the responses to these questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Now all of that leads us to our third main point, the counterfeits to Christianity. 
Actually, I'm not going to dwell on this point hardly at all. Instead, I want to call your attention to a special handout that we have made available out on the front patio. It's called Christianity, Cults, and Religions. It's a side-by-side -side comparison chart of 20 different religious groups in the world today who's the founder, the date, the location, who is God, who is Jesus, how to be saved, what happens after death, key writings, and other beliefs and practices. I encourage you to pick up a copy of this as you leave today. And for those of you who are watching or listening to this online, I want you to know we'll be posting about how you can get a copy of this comparison chart on our website and our Facebook pages later today. As you study this handout, you will discover that there really are some very major differences between Christianity and all of these human-made religions. We'll leave that. Let me conclude today's lesson with a fourth main point, and that is the Christ in Christianity. Basically, this brings us full circle. We began with the claim of Christianity that Jesus Christ is the one and only way to God, and we conclude with a focus on Jesus Christ once again. Why? Because Christianity begins and ends with Jesus Christ. It is all about Him. Someone put it this way, other religious leaders tell us, follow me and I'll show you the way. Jesus tells us, I am the way. Other religious leaders tell us, follow me and I'll show you the truth. And Jesus tells us, I am the truth. Other religious leaders tell us, follow me and I'll show you the life. And Jesus tells us, I am the life. Other religious leaders tell us, follow me and I'll show you the light. And Jesus tells us, I am the light of the world. Other religious leaders tell us, follow me and I'll show you many doors that lead to God. And Jesus tells us, I am the door. Other religious leaders tell us, follow me and I'll show you salvation. And Jesus tells us, I am the Savior. Other religious leaders tell us, follow me and I'll give you some counsel. And Jesus tells us, I'm the wonderful counselor. Other religious leaders tell us, follow me and I'll give you some peace. And Jesus tells us, I am the prince of peace. Other religious leaders tell us, follow me and I'll give you some food for thought. And Jesus tells us, I am the bread of life. You see, Christianity is all about Jesus. God didn't send us a statement. He sent us a savior. <laughs> he didn't send us a principle. He sent us a person. He didn't send us a religion. He sent us a relationship. And friend, if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. Read these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 out loud with me. I know very well how foolish it sounds to those who are lost when they hear that Jesus died to save them. But we who are saved recognize this message as the very power of God. For God says, I will destroy all human plans of salvation, no matter how wise they seem to be. Christ himself is the center of God's wise plan of salvation. Don't miss that last phrase. Christ himself is the center of God's wise plan of salvation. So the bottom line question in Jesus' own words in Matthew 16, 15 is, what about you? Who do you say I am? 
And the bottom line answer, represented by Peter's response in Matthew 16, 16, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You see, when all is said and done, and this life comes to an end, and you stand face to face with God, it isn't going to matter how good of a person you were. It isn't going to matter whether you were religious and went to church and read your Bible and all that kind of stuff, prayed every so often. It isn't going to matter, you know, whether you think you're better than most other people. <laughs> when you stand before God and God asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? The only thing that's going to matter is how you respond by saying, because I have placed my faith and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, as the Savior and the Lord of my life. Because it's all about Him. And that is what sets Christianity apart from every human-made religion. Always be ready. This morning we've taken a look at evidence for Christianity. Remember, we need to know why we believe what we believe, and we must always be ready to explain the evidence for our faith to others. We need to confidently defend our beliefs in a loving and a tactful way. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this lesson today to remind us there's only one way, and that's Jesus. There's only one religion that's true, and that's Christianity. We can know this to be true because the evidence is so overwhelming. I would pray today for any person who's listening to this message, whether here in this auditorium or outside or over in the fellowship hall, or someone who's watching and listening to this Later on online, Holy Spirit, right now, right this moment, would you convict their heart? If there's any business they need to take care of in their relationship with you, Jesus Christ, I pray that they would do that right now. Don't let them listen to the voice of the enemy who says they can wait till later. Don't let them listen to all the pressures around them that are wanting them to stay so busy and distracted that they would not pay attention to that which is the most important thing in all of life. And that is, what are we doing about our relationship with you? Prick the hearts of people, I pray right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, move in our midst.
And we pray that in the powerful and saving name of Jesus. And everyone says,